Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Hello, I'm Eric Estep. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back, listeners. Scott, how is your week? It's good. I just wish that we'd all been ready, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Ready for what, Scott? (laughs) Oh, dear. We've watched too many old 1970s trailers. Ready to to record a podcast, actually. Uh, No, we, we did look at the trailer for A Thief in the Night. And that song, I Wish We'd All Been Ready, features prominently, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I can talk Eric into working a couple of the uh, bars into the, somehow in the audio here. I don't know, but... Probably not. <laughs> okay. Um, no. Well, I, what is The Thief the, in the, the Night? The Thief in the Night is about the rapture and about all the bad things that happen right after the rapture and how you don't want to be caught off guard. You want to be ready. Um, hence the song. And, and this came out in the 70s. It came out in the 70s. So you watched this as a boy. I watched this kind of as a little boy. I was doing the math. I was about 11, I think, probably when I saw it. My parents took a youth group there, and I tagged along. And it scared the bejeebies out of me, really. I, I laid awake at night staring at my ceiling like, uh-oh, and realized, okay, I I need the Lord. And it was that I mean, really that movie made me say, you got to be sure. You Scared be you sure. right into the arms of Jesus. It did. And so that, and which was the intent of that movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to recommend anybody watch it, but uh, we could put the... <laughs> put it in the trailer <laughs> on the show. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, you'll all thank me for that, I'm sure. Um, I, I did not watch that movie as a kid, but I was very enthralled with the Left Behind series. Mm-hmm. And... That movie, the Left Behind movie, came out when I was maybe thirteen, and the the child, the boy actor, famous boy actor, Kirk Cameron, was in the Left Behind movie. Did you see that movie? Left Behind, yeah. Oh, I didn't see that one. I had, that was one of the first DVDs I ever owned. Really, I <laughs> you owned. It. Uh, see, that's the difference between you and me. A Thief in the Night owned me, and you owned <laughs> own Left, Behind. Left Behind. That's right. Um. No, all these things, we're laughing about it partly because um, it's been a big part of our life and growing up theologically and all those things. I mean, our church used to have prophecy conferences here. And so, um, yeah, the... Can you explain for the listeners what a prophecy conference is? Uh, I'm not completely sure. They would have, I mean, here we had really prominent people who were um, theology professors in seminaries on the other side of the country and visiting evangelists come and tell about how the end times were going to unfold and um, probably give an ultra call at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was, I don't know, part and parcel of what churches were doing back in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I just saw several of those in the annual reports for our church. And, oh, and, and when I started, a few people were really reflecting back like, oh, that's really, those mm-hmm. are really great. Those are really great. And, you know, I mean, then they may have been. And those speakers were probably fabulous. 
I do remember when I was a young pastor, though, and it happened when I was a youth pastor, and then it happened again when I was just getting started, and it probably is a commentary on, uh, I probably should have found another profession or something, but the <laughs> people would say, oh, pastor, you gotta, you gotta talk about Revelation. You should really, I'd really love it if you talk about Revelation. And I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out why are you keep why do you keep asking for this? Because, you know, I didn't have any idea of what was in there, and neither did they. But they wanted me to talk about it, and I figured out though that what it meant was, you know, the the rank and file topics around here are a little boring. Could you spice it up a little bit and give us some revelation? Because then that that have to be interesting. So that's what people used to ask. You're me saying about. that's literal translation. Did someone actually tell you this is what we mean when we say this? No, no. It just took me a long time of asking the question. Why do people keep saying that? Because I remember asking for that in when I was in youth group. Like, if let's assume people are reading their Bibles. Like we we say, hey, you should read your Bible. And you and you read your Bible and you get to Revelation and go, what in the world is happening here? I don't know how to read this thing. And my I remember as a kid going, well, maybe my youth pastor can can talk what, through this and I can understand maybe, it because I don't know what's going on. I'm imputing to other people some uh, <laughs> ill motives probably that are not true. But as I processed it, that was kind of what I thought. It's like we could really spice things up if we just threw in a little revelation. <laughs> and um, You get this and, place hopping on and the, re- and the reality is I couldn't figure out how to do revelation and have it spice up at all. I had to look at it and think, I can confuse people with this. Mm. I can you know, make a hash of this, but I don't know how I can make this more interesting. So, so, so did you do it? Uh, I have preached. I know you've done it since I've been here. I have been, I have done it recently and was really quite, of all the things that I've done, I was really pretty happy with how that one, that whole series turned out. Mm. But I, um, I didn't do it. That was the first time I'd ever touched it. Oh, really? Yeah. I'd and not that was probably even, eight years something ago? Like, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, I just said, sorry, I'm going to remain boring. And I did. <laughs> so there you go. But seriously, um, there is a lot there and it is pretty meaningful. I did just finish reading it in my quiet time, which was um, uh, a blessing. And I uh, had several, several days. Um, the Lord used it just to kind of sort of hold my hand and say, it's going to be okay. Mm. And, you know, hang in there. It's it's going to be good. So. Mm. It was it was comforting, and I think that's actually why it was written. Was, yeah, was to comfort uh, churches, to comfort um, the angels of those churches. Uh, chapter one, and um, I mean the other thing that I did recently is visit those seven churches, or the towns in which those seven churches were, in Turkey. Which on my sabbatical we went uh, and took a seven that's churches fantastic. of Revelation tour, which was super cool. Um, and uh, it wasn't cool because it looked anything like you would imagine Revelation. It was a bunch of ruins, and that's what we saw. Is every single one a ruin, or were there any like this church is built in remembrance of? Well, there were um, there were some churches later that were not in there. There were like first century ruins, and then there were ruins from the fourth century or something mm-hmm. that were basilicas or or were um, Byzantine churches, so they were from later. Like Constantine had a maid or something? Yeah, and uh, or I don't know if he had a maid, but they were from kind of that era. And so he wa- it was, that was interesting too, because they were, um, the ruins were of churches. 
Mm-hmm. Some of those ruins were of churches, whereas the first century ruins had no churches. They only had pagan temples and mm-hmm. em- emperor temples. And see, that's that's the context for the book of Revelation, is mm-hmm. that you've got this little bitty church, which is a minority of minorities, and some people are whispering about a resurrected Jesus mm-hmm. around the corners, and some people are believing it and coming to faith, and there's this tiny little church. And then, um, you know, if, if the emperor got wind of it, there was trouble. And so that's kind of how it was in the first century. Then later when the basilicas were there, they were, the, the ruins of them were impressive, but mm-hmm. they, that wasn't what we're talking about in Revelation. Right, that's later. Yeah, so... Anyway, that uh, all that to say, uh, we've had a lot of uh, history. Uh, some of it uh, conflicted, <laughs> some of it uh, amazing with the Book of Revelation. But we thought we'd just take a f- little bit and talk about Revelation today because I think that uh, we get kind of um, sideways about it. Partly because there are still a lot of people who view Revelation through the lens of left behind or through mm-hmm. the lens of a thief in the night. And that's, uh, that's what we come to the Bible with right. rather than what we leave from the Bible with. Mm-hmm. In other words, we bring it to the Bible. It, I, it's much, much harder to find those things in the Bible, I think. And so... It's that, that reading seems to just automatically be in the evangelical imagination. I, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is already there. And uh, we go to the Bible looking for it then, mm-hmm. rather than actually drawing that from there. Because like, there are things in Revelation we don't get. Sure. Right? There's beasts and there's dragons and there's um, 144,000 and there's angels and there's living creatures that make no sense at all. And there's temples and, and there's millennium. glass seas and there's all sorts of things that in our mind, we just don't have the right picture for. There's thrones and circles of elders and all kinds of things. So harps. We, <laughs> we can't get our mind around harps. No. <laughs> you just throw that at the end. I, <laughs> that bothers me as much as anything. I mean, what am I, I don't see myself sitting on the cloud playing a harp forever and ever. Sure. That's not exactly what happens in Revelation, but but yeah, I, I mean... Again, I come to the Bible with that, right? I come right, with this little right. picture of angels with little wings and little harps and maybe a bow and arrow occasionally. Yeah. And that's, um, I don't think that's really what we're to get out of it. So um, anyway. That, that kind of, I'm reading Dante right now. And so may, maybe we can talk about that in the future episode. Just the things that are not Bible that influence our reading of Bible because Dante writes about hell and all these different that things. That one influences it a lot. So yeah. that, that could be fun in the future. Interesting. Or we could avoid it forever like Aquinas. We'll see. We tr- <laughs> <laughs> We're un- we, I was unsuccessful there, but we'll, we'll keep trying. Um, yeah, so Revelation, I believe, was written to comfort an afflicted church. It was not a vision of what will happen with the world or with the United States so much. In other words, what happens is people look at their news or mm-hmm. they look at the events of the world and they say, oh, that's Revelation. Mm-hmm. And to do that is to completely miss the message of Revelation because the message of Revelation was the risen Jesus um, speaking to churches and comforting church, evaluating churches and comforting churches mm. about the affliction that they were uh, either enduring or about to endure 
uh, as the pressure came down on them, um, largely from the uh, imperial cult. Mm. Largely, the pressure came uh, from um, the uh, from the Christians saying Jesus is king, and that meaning uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, of, uh, officials' ears that the emperor is not king, mm-hmm. and uh, Jesus is Lord. That's that's a kingship phrase as well. Yeah, yeah. And so those are those are the the issues for the church, which you know. From the beginning, then, make Revelation a political document mm-hmm. because you have here uh, a church proclaiming a political position. The emperor is not king, but Jesus is mm-hmm. right in the face of the official position, which is the emperor is king and needs to be worshipped as a god. So he gets his own temple mm-hmm. and you need to bow down to him. If he dies, just take the head off the statue you have in your garden and put a new head on of the new emperor and worship that. And the the church um, didn't do that, thankfully. I mean, this this is this happened in Pergamum, and uh, in um, in Revelation chapter two, verse thirteen, it says, "I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast to my name, and you did not dem- deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you." where Satan dwells. And I think the understanding of Revelation is that uh, Satan's throne, I think most likely was the imperial temple where they worshiped the emperor or Mm. the state. Mm -hmm. And that was the throne of Satan. So anyway, that's, have you been, just, did you see those those ruins? Yeah. I mean, I sat right behind those ruins and you know got to give a devotional and said, and probably Antipas was killed like right over there. Mm. It was very humbling to realize that. But yeah, that was the um that was kind of the way that the church was relating to the state at that point in time. Um but just to give you some flavor of how the um, revelation sees the the political environment or the governmental environment, you might say, is that the word throne, uh, like a kingly throne, is used 43 times in the book of Revelation, which is more than it's used in First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, which are all about kings. Mm-hmm. It's in the com- name combined. It's even in the name of the book. And they don't talk about thrones near as much as Revelation. So uh, Revelation has a lot to do with the way that the um, the church interacts with the th- the thrones of this world. Kings and kingdoms, same thing, all over the book of Revelation. And, um, you know, we can, uh, if you just looked and read the verses that talked about king and, uh, kings and kingdoms, you would have a perspective really I think the right perspective on Revelation because it talks about kings bringing their uh, glory into mm. the kingdom of our God. Mm-hmm. And um, there are just a number of things like that, that that show the humble position of the kings of this world and the exalted position of the sovereign king. Um, you know, Revelation 19 
for instance, it just says, on his robe and his thigh was a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I saw an angel standing in the sun in a loud voice to all the birds overhead, come for the great, and gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings. In other words, what is this, this is a message to the church to mm-hmm. say, these kings that are harassing you, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be vanquished by the king of kings. Yeah. And that's the message of, um, of Revelation. And I saw, and it kept going in, in uh, Revelation 19, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And uh, to recognize that the kings are against the king of kings mm-hmm. was, I think, really helpful to the early church. And um, the, probably the thing that needs to be said, too, about that is that everything in Revelation is not as it seems. So I say kings of the earth. And I, mean, I imagine they had an idea who that was, right? And mm-hmm. I say, you know, kings or presidents or prime ministers of the earth. I don't know. You can probably look that up on the internet, who mm-hmm. those people are. But in Revelation, those people are also horns on the head of the beast. Mm. And they're also, um, you know, related to the dragon. In other words, as Revelation presents it, there is this, um, uh, let me say it this way, Antichrist, mm. who is against the Christ, that which is what Antichrist means, and by that, I think it means that he is doing what he can to destroy the church. And so, the rise of these empires and the rise of these kings in Revelation is a rise of this Antichrist um, spirit, you might say, that is animating the government. And so the official positions of those governments are such that they're against the church. And so here he, he's positioning for the comfort of the church, the, uh, the, the governments and uh, the church, such that the governments are empowered by the beast or the mm. dragon, and Christ is there comforting and God is protecting the church. So... One in that view that reminds me of, I, I'll blank on the um, the reference, but pray for your your leaders that you can live quiet and godly lives. That prayer seems exactly to line up with that because these leaders are often set up in a way that are against us, um, against the church, and so the prayer is we want to live quiet and godly lives. So mm-hmm. God, would you, Jesus, would you do your work? to protect us and to mm-hmm. help us. And Revelation seems to be a communication that, yes, that's what I'm doing. That's mm-hmm. what that's my plan. And long-term, that'll be the result. Yeah. And I th- so I, I, I tried to say that kind of as uh, unpolitically as I could um, because that isn't really how people read Revelation. Like here is the government and here is the church they look at Revelation like, okay, where's the United States? Mm-hmm. And what war are we going to be in? And which person is the Antichrist? And really what you have is the, uh, it's it's not nation against nation so much as all of the nations mm-hmm. against the church. 
mm. and against the Christ of the church. And so the, uh, you know, there, I'm sure I can be more nuanced in my exposition of Revelation, but because, you know, here at City on the Hill, we're trying to, to get perspective on the, uh, the relationship of the church and the state, I, I think it's important for us to just, you know, sort of uncover in the, in the big um, blocks, you might say, of Revelation to mm-hmm. say, yeah, what he's trying to do is let the church know that Jesus ultimately wins. Mm-hmm. It's not that our country all you right. know, wins. And I, uh, I think that's really important because I do think that a thief in the night and these other things that we were worried about uh, make us ask the question about what will happen of our country. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying that you should have no concern for your country. We're doing this podcast in part because we love our country, mm-hmm. um, but we don't want to confuse our country with the church and we, and we don't want to put the country above the church. We really want the church to, to be the city on a hill. And mm-hmm. um, when you see it that way, I think the, it, it becomes more clear. Revelation unfolds uh, in a different way than if you're trying to parse the news and parse the wars right. and parse the earthquakes to see if they fit in Revelation. To see if they fit in Revelation is really the wrong starting point. Right. So. Yeah, if the focus is the church and Jesus— or maybe reverse that Jesus and in the church, everything seems to come into focus mm-hmm. a lot easier. And and I've heard just kind of that roving target. Uh, if if it's the other way around, okay, America's over here, and okay, who's Gog? Who's Magog? And you you go, what's the biggest power right now? Okay, there's Russia during the Cold War, and that actually shifted a bunch when the Cold War ended. We went, uh oh, the whole look of Revelation needs to change because this this power we thought was the power isn't really the power anymore. So what do we do? And then, and then okay, we're going to focus on maybe Islamic, Islamic terrorism or something else, some other player than China or mm-hmm. whatever, and it's always some moving. Some axis of evil. Right. right. And it's always moving, which is a flag for me. Like, wait, so this doesn't mean what it did when, when they were reading it originally because these keep changing. And if it didn't mean what it meant 20 years ago, it definitely didn't mean that 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, again, it's, it's the same as uh, we've talked about before. You've got, to, you've got to sort of step back and say, what did this mean to them? And what this meant to them was nothing about helicopters. It, what it meant to them was nothing about, um, you know, tanks or modern wars or anything like that. I mean, this, all of these images here of the, the horse and the rider and the sword coming out of his mouth and all the... His robes dipped in blood. All of those things were images that they would see far differently than we see them. Mm. And it was, it was written apocalyptic to, images. Yeah, and borrowed from many of them borrowed from the Old Testament to to pull in, uh, you know, some of the prophecy there. And uh, you know, I'm I'm really not doing exposition here. We're of, super high level right of, now. of Revelation. I just, I mean, if somebody like wants to talk about Revelation some more, I suppose we can. But the the idea is that it's a comfort to the church. It's not a comfort to the United States. It's not a comfort mm. to uh, England or to China or to anybody else. To the church in China, yes. To the church mm. in America, see, that's the thing. If it makes right. the church in America nervous, then they're misreading, mm-hmm. which is actually what that's said. a good that's a good metric there, which yeah. is about how I ended up, you know. Um, 
really realized I needed to trust Christ is because I, I read it and it made me nervous. And that isn't so much really how. When you weren't part of the church. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure anyway. So yeah, yeah it was um, it was tricky there. But I, I do think that we've just got to take a step back and and recognize when, see, when you identify, some of this is, it, it, it's all right in the center of things we've, we're trying to talk about here, mm-hmm. which is why I wanted to bring it up. Because if I identify with the Church of Jesus and I read the book of Revelation, uh, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. If I identify with my um, government or my political organizations, mm-hmm. I am confounded to make sense of the book of Revelation. And so I really think that we're, um, what, what I hope happens, what, with every episode is that people sort of double down and say, I'm going to identify with the church of Jesus mm-hmm. and I'm going to receive comfort from the fact that Jesus walks among the mm-hmm. lampstands or he, he walks among the churches mm-hmm. and he is involved in the churches and he's speaking to the churches and he's giving, you know, he's letting the church see um, into heaven really. And all of this is Jesus care for the church and when I see it's Jesus care for the church, then I, it does strike me a lot differently. I mean, you, you and, and when we're talking about this, pointed out that the introduction of the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. So that you know, it is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ himself is revealing it and telling it and comforting the church. And that's what we're to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a good reminder, if you you kind of talked about identities, what identity are you choosing? If you're choosing, oh, I'm an American, and that's how I'm going to read this thing, or I, I belong to some other country or nation or, or group or whatever, if you come to Revelation with that, Jesus is talking about his bride, and his bride is the church, and he cares for his bride so immensely, and it's all woven throughout. There's even a feast at the end for the wedding. Like, it's mm-hmm. all connected. So if you come to Revelation and read it without that as your primary identity, I belong to the church, I'm, the, right. I'm, I belong to the, I'm part of the bride of Christ, then you're going to just miss the hope, miss the connection, yeah. miss the care and compassion that Jesus has. Yeah, I mean... Th- Revelation is about protecting that bride from the mm-hmm. dragon, mm-hmm. really. But you know, there's other pieces in there about the kings of the earth, the merchants of the earth, the sailors who all commit adultery with the great prostitute, Babylon the Great. Mm. In other words, there is this same picture of, you know, rather than the precious bride of Christ, this harlot mm-hmm. that seduces the kings of the earth and the, the merchants of the earth such that they are drawn away from love toward Christ mm-hmm. like the bride would have. So there is just a lot going on there, but it all has, it all hinges on this identity of the, the church and the bride of Christ, like you said. Mm-hmm. Well, and it reminds me, this is such, just at a story level is just so encouraging. And uh, my wife was having, I, I think they still do it during lunchtime, uh, but they do it from time to time at least. She has a little toast they do. 
and they'll raise their glasses, and she says, and what is the king's, bi- what is the king's big plan? To kill the dragon and get the girl. Mm. And just as a, like, don't you want the dragon to be killed? Of course we want the dragon to be killed, mm-hmm. and of course we want the girl to be rescued. And the king is Jesus, and yeah. the girl is the church. And just to, if you read and, and just steep in this as a story where, where the good king wins, there's so much encouragement there rather than, okay, we're going to piece this all apart. And what does this mean? And what does this mean? Like, no, there's hope here. There's hope in revelation. There's hope in the end of the Bible. Um, everything's going to be okay. If you belong to Jesus. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot to, to say about that, but uh, I think that um, if we recognize that revelation is primarily about the endurance of the church and not the, uh, machinations or the maneuvering or the mm-hmm. uh, you know power of these world leaders and powers and all of that you're going to get it a lot closer mm-hmm. it's about the endurance of the church and um and really uh, there is not a world power in revelation presented that is not dragon-like or beast-like it's mm. a good warning in other words what you know the way especially during the cold war as you Mm -hmm. mentioned that it was there was a beast and it was on the other side of the cold war Mm -hmm. but the good guys were not so much and then we couldn't figure out okay where does america fit in in bible prophecy that was what all the excitement was about well the reality is there isn't a world power that's presented that's not you know animated or um uh, in league with the dragon and the beast so um, I think that is the, if you're going to pick a, you know, a, a side. Mm-hmm. Reckon, you should pick Jesus' side. <laughs> pick Jesus' side, not, not the world powers, not the government side mm-hmm. of things, because I think that, that really is, again, I said this earlier, but there, there are things going on here where it's almost, it's almost like a fever dream. You know, mm-hmm. that's not a genre of Bible literature. <laughs> I understand. Genre of Bible literature. <laughs> but it is in, in that there are these there are these beasts and dragons and then what's that horn on that beast or dragon? That's a king. Oh mm-hmm. what are these mountains? Oh, that's where Rome sits. Oh, what are these things? And and it's almost like there's shifting shapes here mm-hmm. as the revelation continues and we're we're just like I don't have categories for this and we don't. But the whole point of it is that there, there, there is a side that is anti-Christ, mm-hmm. and it is represented by worldly power. Mm-hmm. And there is a side that is represented by the saints who are under the throne who have been beheaded or murdered for the sake of the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So there are these two sides, and one of them is precious to Jesus, and the other is against Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think that, that, so one thing is look for the endurance of the church, not for what's going on with world powers. The other thing I would say probably is look for Jesus in Revelation. I mean, the pictures of Jesus are, you know, they're also no, fantastic. They're also fantastic, but they're comforting. I mean, he is a strong protector of his church. Mm-hmm. And so when you read Revelation, look for Jesus. Don't look for the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... Uh, it is really interesting. You got this mark of this beast, and and um, you can't buy or sell. And so there is this. Uh, I remember when this is how old I am. I remember when credit cards were new. <laughs> Seems weird to say that, and everyone's worried about oh, you can't buy or sell without one. So it must be the mark of the beast. Well, 
I really think that the whole point of the mark of the beast is the fact that you identify with the beast. Mm-hmm. You identify with it. And so that's, that's the problem. It is a worship of and an identification with this beast. Mm-hmm. If you are not identifying with the beast, don't worry about the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. You don't have it. It's not yours. Which would make sense in first century where they're going, Jesus is Lord. That guy's saying he's God over there. Like those categories make way more sense mm-hmm. for them, and they would read that and go, "No, I, I'm not. I don't want to identify that way." Yeah. So yeah, look for Jesus in Revelation. Not don't go looking for the Antichrist, which I mean, I just generations of Christians have been doing now. Be concerned for the church, not for the nation. When you read mm. Revelation, it is not about what will happen to this nation or that nation. In fact, the nations that you can identify in Revelation are long gone. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean the the, the Rome and mm-hmm. Babylon are the two that are uh, most closely identified, and they're long gone. They're metaphorical in some sense for this worldly power, mm-hmm. but um, don't be concerned for the nation; be concerned for the church. So, mm-hmm. and then um, realize that the one who um, when he walks among the landstands, has you, mm-hmm. and you're gonna. It's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. And so, don't get fired up and don't get scared and um, receive the comfort God means for you to have by the Book of Revelation. So, yeah, that's good. Well, thanks for walking us through that and reminding us. Um, if you read Revelation and you're scared, read it a different way and look for Jesus. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, listeners, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and rate us. If you find what we're doing helpful, a review goes a long way, as does sharing it with a friend. If you have questions or thoughts or um, confusions about Revelation, send them to, city, to comment at cityonhillpodcast.com. We may talk about it more. We may not. If you have other ideas for episodes, you can, you can send them as well. Um, we'd love that. And we look forward to the next conversation.